Hi there, this is Connor Gilbertson, Public Relations Coordinator with the Region 5 Prevention Resource Center and the Alcohol and Drug Abuse Council of Deep East Texas. I wanted to let you know before we get started that this is a podcast about substance use. Sometimes we are going to talk about stories or details that may be tough and uncomfortable to hear. Our overall goal is to help people be healthier and happier. With that being said, do what you need to take care of yourself. Feel free to pause and step away if you need to. This episode will be right here when you get back. The most important thing is that you take care of yourself. Thanks. Now let's grow. Whether it's alcohol, tobacco, legal or illegal drugs, it's a fact that people from all walks of life struggle with substance use problems. That's a fact we're going to explore here on Give, Get, Grow. Throughout September or Recovery Awareness Month, we will be talking with people who have seen the effects of substance use and recovery firsthand. They've seen heartbreak and tragedy, but they've also discovered hope and have seen that recovery is possible. These stories are from people that give, get and grow in recovery every day. Today we are here with Elliot and Emma Abbey. All right, so we're going to start off with Elliot's story. Well, I was into quite a bit of things. Uh, was a uh, fairly decent student in high school. Uh, got into college on a cross-country scholarship at Northwestern State. But then all that kind of took a spiral out of control. What happened was uh, I started kind of getting in with my friends, got into the party scene because uh, that was just a cool thing to do back then. Started at the bars and then kind of started, I guess, uh, testing out the waters. I mean, got into a little bit of weed there, started smoking weed, and uh, that was kind of the main thing there. But then it started getting into prescription pills. Prescription pills were, were easy to get. A lot of the, the folks around there were, were doing that drug around there. Uh, my choice was uh, Xanax and pain pills. Um, I did a mixture of that. And I was still doing the, the whole sports thing, doing the running, and then uh, went into track. But then all that kind of uh, spiraled out of control. Uh, ended up getting into a little bit of law trouble there at the school there in Louisiana. Got through that. Actually, the judge threw all that out. Just gave me a chance to get everything under control straight now. I wish I would have took that uh, opportunity and ran with it. Uh, but things didn't go that way. Uh, what happened was is I fell out of school. Couldn't balance everything. And, and uh, everything just kind of went out the window. To fast forward things. I came back home. And when I got back home, things really, really spiraled out of control. Um, started really getting into uh, a daily routine of taking Xanax and Lorisets. Little did I know that um, at that time, you don't really think that you're addicted. But every day, every day, every day, every day's usage started really taking a toll. Started becoming a real bad habit. To fast forward that, that was about seven to eight years where I stayed uh, on top of that schedule where I'd get up, take Lorisets. And, and usually I, I had a, a pretty bad habit of them. I would take anywhere from probably 10 Xanax bars and mix that along with maybe five lower sets all at the same time in, in, in a day. And I did that for on a routine basis for several years straight. Kind of things that uh, that made me want to get out of that was the, the whole routine of things. It was just the same thing over and over and over again. I started getting burnt out on chasing the drug. I was getting in and out of law trouble. I had gotten possession charges, a couple DWIs there. I just happened to hit rock bottom. Um, I was facing uh, my second DWI charge. I was facing a controlled substance charge, a possession of marijuana charge, an open container charge. I, I was really facing quite a bit. Thought to myself that, you know, this isn't the life for me. I, I knew my mind was more, there was more to it than just doing drugs every day. I decided to go ahead and check into rehab. I did two weeks there and the rehab uh, told me that uh, I was good because I was really sincerely uh, 
I, I was ready to quit. Uh, I knew in my heart that I was ready to quit. I knew in my mind I was ready to quit. Just the whole law trouble. I finally realized that I wasn't just hurting myself. Uh, I, for a long time, I thought I was just hurting my body, my own self, uh, not anybody outside of that bowl. But I was really hurting not only myself, but my parents. Uh, I didn't realize that my folks would stay up late at night just to wait for me to come home uh, because they wanted to know that I was safe and, and taken care of. And so at that point in time, it, it was definitely a, a, a bad time in life. Uh, just, I mean, everything was just felt like it was wrong. Everything felt like it wasn't going nowhere. And I just got burnt out on that feeling. Um, so I checked into rehab and, and at the second week, you know, they felt that I was ready to go ahead and check out. But I was blessed and fortunate that uh, my tribe helped um, fund a lot of the, the funding for the payment to, to stay in a rehab facility. And I didn't realize that the rehab facility cost so much. But, you know, the tribe just told me to go. Don't worry about it. We'll pay as long as we can can handle the, the bills. Well, uh, that ended up being three months that I stayed in the rehab facility. Um, I got to see people come in and out. You think that your situation is is one of the worst out there? Well, there are many people that will top your story. And you see some of them people that were there and then check out, the, I mean, in a couple of days. Uh, then you see the people that were generally there. And, and you can just start reading people and filling out these people who are generally, you know, ready to take on that life, uh, to change things, to be able to turn things around. Once I got out of rehab, uh, there was things that just kind of fell fell in place that were going in the right direction. But when I came out, I wanted to protect my sobriety so much that I just isolated myself at home. Uh, didn't go nowhere, didn't really talk to anybody. And there was just, you know, not a whole lot of social life going on, which was good. I mean, it, it helped me, you know, keep keep away from everybody, keep my, myself separated from those contacts that, that keep calling because they never did stop calling. But, you know, it, it wasn't good on the mind because I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't staying busy. The mind tends to think. And, and well, in my situation, the mind kept thinking and like, what's the next step? And, and just nothing was going on because, you know, after a year goes by, you're like, I've been sober for this long. And something just comes in your mind like, well, why, why am I trying to change everything when nothing's going to happen? Because you keep searching. But the, the thing about that is, is when you're searching for those things, you're just searching. You're not doing. And that's one of the keys to, to staying sober is you have to do things. You have to keep keep your mind busy because when you have time on your hands, anything can happen. And so... I started uh, really looking into different things. Uh, I ended up going back to to college, um, jumped in college. I, I did a semester or two here at Angelina College in Lufkin. And then um, I transferred to Lamar University. And, and not only was I doing that... Um, I went back to my traditional ways and was able to uh, start basket making. Uh, and and that was one of the things that really kept my mind busy at home was just I was producing baskets, making baskets. And I finished one up. I started another one. And, and I, I really fell in love with the art and the culture behind it. And then, of course, I had school going along. And once I finished up at Lamar, I, I graduated with a business administration degree there. And, you know, even things at that point were still not connecting. I mean, you know, I, fin- I finished school. The baskets were going good. But you could see some daily at the end of the tunnel after all that work was completed. I didn't know exactly where I was going in life. I knew that I had a degree. I knew that I could get a job somewhere. So I started searching for different things. And and uh, and then that's, that's when, about that time, that's when Emma came into my life. And that was, you know, a, a big plus for, for uh, the direction I was heading. But, you know, I had to tell myself, you know, there's there's other things that I have to do. There's, there's things that I need to do. Uh, start striving for. I was working a seasonal job with Big Thicket National Preserve at that time, which, I mean, it was a good job. I mean, I enjoyed being in the woods, but, you know, with the 
college degree really wasn't putting that to use. So um, I ended up getting hired with the, the tri- a tribe, the Alabama Cachata tribe, and uh, as a real estate director. And so um, that really kicked things in a, di- a different direction. Um, I went from, you know, not really managing a whole lot. I was more or less doing labor jobs, but now it was more managing the office, managing 10,266 acres. I was in there uh, managing employees. And so, um, you know, you, you don't really realize like how hard it is to make life turn around to make a whole 360. You're basically known the attic for a number of years and that's the only person that you've ever known. But really you have to kill that person off and, and not technically kill. I don't want to put kill in a bad word, but it was basically you're having to take that person and restructure that person all to a brand new person. Even as an adult, it's, it's tough to do that because you feel that, you know, those things are easy to do, which they're not. I will tell you that for sure, that it is not an easy journey to come from a mess that you've had and, and made that's where you had to take care of and own up to. And, and, and I still own up to them things today. I, I know where I come from. I know where I'm been. And I keep those fresh in my mind because I don't want to go back to that person at all. Another thing too is is just being hard-headed. Yes, I was hard-headed enough to keep my addiction going and, and keep it on a regular basis and, and did whatever I needed to, to keep that addiction going and making sure that I didn't fall into detox or uh, come into the, the to the sick or well, the dope sickness. And, you know, that's what I took from that situation is to be hard-headed because anything that I face now, I always feel that it was nothing compared to what I had to face coming out of this whole rut. And so with with that, you know, I, I keep it in my heart. I keep it fresh on my mind because I know what I went through. I know how the detox situation went through. Just being this frail person coming into the rehab, couldn't even carry their own bags in, just going through those steps, just remembering those steps. Uh, I don't want to go back through that at all. And now, you know, the problems that I face now, they're simple compared to, to what I've had to go through. But, you know, that's kind of the, the the basic of my story there. The baskets are going well. We just did an interview with Texas Highways Magazine. So I have an article there um, finishing up my master's degree with Texas A&M Law, which I'll have finish out with the master's of jurisprudence in May. Uh, so that's going well. The job I, I've uh, been blessed there and fortunate there that it's several minutes from the house and I'm right down the road from the kids. So uh, everything has really came into place. But the the foundation of it all is being able to be strong enough, strong minded enough to have the willpower to turn things around and just stay on that same track because it, it, it does become a, a, a trail where things aren't going to go your way or, or things may become hard and there's going to be different obstacles and hurdles that you have to overcome, but they can be done. I, I know from experience that they can be done. You don't have to go the easy way out, which is back to that old person that you were. Um, you just stick to the plan and, and keep going and and it will come to you. You just have to work for it. Uh, you can't just think about it and, and think it's going to all fall into place for you. That's not going to happen at all. It's uh, You got to put in the effort and, and the work to get there. <laughs> I will say on that, in some of the other interviews I've had so far, the biggest thing is that they've mentioned that like your old self has to die in a way mm-hmm. as far as you can't hold on to the past. You have to recognize it and see it, but you need to move forward and, you know, take every step, you know, day by day. But don't let the past hold you down. Don't let that that past, that memory, whatever the case might be, hold you back. You may need to be able to like move forward. And I've had several of them mention that as well as the hobbies and stuff. That's another point that I love to hit is just, you know, what people do. I've come across people that are, you know, tattooing, finding artistry within themselves that they never knew existed. So the basket weaving definitely is there. And, you know, like you were saying, I always imagine the, uh, there was a movie way back in the day. Idle Hands, I think is what it was mm-hmm. called. Yeah. 
But, you know, idle hands, the devil's playground. And that's just on simplest things like little kids all the way up. As far as you, you let a little kid roam around for a little while, he's going to find something to get into and uh, cause havoc on the parents for sure. And I know you had mentioned about the tribe helping you through rehab, but outside of the tribe as a whole, what other sort of support systems did you have going through recovery? Um, well, I've, I've had uh, my father who who was an alcoholic for a number of years there. At that point in time, he had probably been sober for 15 years. Uh, that was a big support system because he knew what the whole program was about. He knew how all the structure was held together and, and the type of steps that you needed to make. If there was any kind of questions on that, he could always explain to me. And another thing, too, is uh, I will say that, that uh, on the probation side, you know, we've had to do ADAC courses. A lot of people don't want to do those. Uh, they feel, it, I mean, it is a punishment, but you do take some knowledge from from those classes. You do take some things uh, away from those classes. Um, and, and there's people that you meet in there that you've seen and you'll see again down the road. And, and you know, you you build a relationship on, on the, the rehabilitation side of things. And, you know, they see you down the road. Have you been still on the right road? And, and uh, you answer them and, and they tell you their story. And, and uh, it's, it's good to hear that some people out there, you know, have made something out of themselves or, or been able to change their, their lifestyle. So, and uh, I mean, I, I I used to do AA and I used to do NA courses or, or uh, attend those meetings, uh, but I haven't been there in, in, in some time. With Emma and their program at the reservation, uh, I have been able to finally start. I've gotten to a point where I feel that it, I, my story needs to get out there. Uh, there's a number of years where I sat and thought about it, but never really acted on it uh, just because I didn't think I was, I guess, had enough time put in. Uh, didn't think I was ready to to start helping people. I, I guess to get him to do his peer recovery support specialist training. That'd be awesome. That'd be really good. So, I mean, you know, and, and it's just the, the thing that uh, the whole building the confidence as, as far as being able to help people. But now I've gotten to a point where, you know, we do things like this. Uh, we talk to younger folks, uh, the youth uh, folks down there at the reservation and, and try to get the story out there because there are a lot of people that can relate to your story. And, and like I always say, if I can just help that one person, that one person may turn around and help hundreds. And so that's uh, that's one thing that I keep in mind all the time is because if I don't help that one person, then we may be missing out on somebody that might be great at it and, and can help hundreds. That's two things there is that one, how you were saying, you know, getting the story out. That's the whole reason I wanted to do this for this month was to be able to let as many voices be heard. So that way people understand that recovery is possible. It does exist. And that there are plenty of stories from going from the very bottom all the way back up to the top. Just as a reminder that, you know, any battle can be fought hard and won, you know. Mm -hmm. But the other thing, like you said, was if I can help just that yeah. one person. Yeah. That has by far been the mantra of everybody I've talked to has been at the end of the day, I can share my story with hundreds of thousands of people. But if it helps that one at the end of the day, I feel like that has been the main message across all these interviews has just been helping that one mm -hmm. and turning it into a domino effect. Yeah. So that's been really awesome to see. And here is that that has been a very constant message throughout every interview, uh, no matter where they've came from, where they come, like where they're planning on going. That has been one of the key driving forces behind their message. And it, a lot of people don't realize what one person can do. You know, I always think in the back of my mind is, you know, I know I'm just one person, but say if everyone thought like me, this is my personal mantra. I don't know what do you call it. Motivation, maybe. But if everyone thought like me now, say I'm in control, of everyone's thinking and everyone is thinking like I'm thinking. If I'm going to go out and make a difference 
and I feel like something needs to be done, then I should do it. And then if everyone else thinks that way, then I feel like we'd be a lot better off. And if I'm going to be the type of person that's going to sit back and be like, no, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to let somebody else take care of it. We're not going to get anywhere, you know? So even though we're just one person, you know, I feel like that makes a difference as well. Because I can see myself sitting in a room full of people at NA or whatever. And yet here I am doing this work. Maybe these other people are doing the same type of work that I'm doing as well. And reaching that many more people, you know, and it could take off. It could not, you know, it's at least I'm out there doing something and maybe somebody's benefiting from it. Hopefully somebody's benefiting from it. So going from that, Emma, if you would be (laughs) so kind to share your story with us. My addiction probably started way before I remember dabbling in just smoking even uh, cigarettes when I was like 11 years old. I remember when I turned 12, it was all around me anyway. Uh, The environment I grew up in made it very uh, easy for me to access uh, marijuana. So I I remember trying that when I was 12. And then from there on, it just started going. I remember sneaking around and smoking when I was younger. And then I got into high school, junior high age, and it got more into... um, I remember a friend, she brought Adderall to school and we'd go into the bathroom. We'd take that. And it was just, I don't know what it was. It was just like the feeling of it and really kind of took off with me at that point. And not too long after that, it was Xanax. It was pain medication. It was just anything I could get my hands on. I guess I had a really addictive personality. And um, from then on, I, I just, I remember being a completely different person than I am now. I'd like to think anyway. I was very shut off to a lot of people. I only cared about getting high, let all of my schoolwork, any extracurriculars I was into, just let it fall to the wayside. It meant nothing to me. If I was able to go to school, get high, I was fine. You know, that's the only way I made it through anything. I remember going to prom one year and I just, I knew I couldn't make it through prom unless I had some pills with me. So a friend of mine brought some pills with that. And that's just, I mean, it was little things like that. You would think prom's a fun time. You want to go and enjoy it and have time with your friends but here 17 years old already had this addiction built up and I needed that to get through it so after high school which I'm surprised I still graduated I think I was like the second to last I know I was not the last in my graduating class um academically but I think it was like second to last and I graduated and I felt like at that point I was an adult and that just took a big turn and really really dove in to the heavier side of things. And from then on, it was just every single day trying to figure out where am I going to get these pills? Where am I going to get the money to get these pills? And I remember I started school at Angelina and I let all those studies fall to the side because I was like, I need a job. I need two jobs. I need to make sure I have enough money to support this habit. And at that time, it was... It didn't seem as bad. I guess I I hid away most from my family. So I didn't see them as much. They didn't understand what I was going through. So I pretty much kind of alienated myself because that's really just all I cared about at that time. And then I got into law trouble, DWI, possession charges. I mean, it was just not where I wanted to be. And I remember even then, I, I just, I knew that's not the type of person I wanted to be. And a a cousin of mine who still lives out here in Lufkin, she would invite me to church all the time. And I'm not a very religious person, but, you know, I do believe in God and I do believe that's the only way I made it out. But I remember going to church with her and she would invite me every Sunday or Wednesday. She would invite me to church. And I just remember sitting there, too. I, I mean, I had to have pills to get through church, too. So I remember 
she picked me up. I had just taken um, a couple bars or Xanax before going. And I remember sitting there in church. And the only thing I remember was this preacher, this pastor who was saying, you know, you're going to come to the end of yourself, you know, before you start. I don't know. Pretty much talking about being at rock bottom. Like this is the only way up from here. This is it. You know, you have there's nowhere else to go. You're basically at the floor level. There's nothing underneath you. And I just remember that stuck with me. And I'm thinking, I'm sitting here in church, just high out of my mind, you know, thinking about going back home and getting some more pills. That's all I'm thinking about. And then from then on, it was just like, okay, maybe I need to make a conscious, you know, effort to get sober, to get clean, to leave all that behind. And Oh man, it still, it took me probably about another year after that to finally fully get clean. And, you know, I tried the classes. They just weren't for me. Uh, I don't know what it was about it. I attended several of them, but I just felt like it was a bunch of us addicts. And I felt like anytime I could leave this meeting and we could all just take off and go jump back into it. And I didn't feel like that was, you know, the route for myself, which is kind of ironic because now I'm pushing more people like, you need to try this program, try the 12 steps. Let's do this. You know, I mean, I know it works for people, you know, it worked for him. It worked for a lot of people that, you know, that I know. So I just, if you work it, you know, it works. I, I was not good at working things like that. I always like to say it gives you the fundamentals. Yeah. The fundamentals to build on. Even if you, I've seen some that are repeats that have gone in and come out Mm -hmm. and and still the same way. But, you know, that fundamentals is is put in your mind. So, you know, it's there and people just have to bring it out. They may not at that point in time want to do that, but they know what the rehab uh, structure is and how it works. Uh, And then back to the whole uh, religious thing, you know, I mean, I've seen people out there, you try to talk to them and, and they, you, you know, Talk about religion, and I've seen many addicts that would run from you. I always like to say higher power. You always got to have some kind of higher power there mm-hmm. to, that that'll help you get through this. Because uh, I, I'm a believer, and you know, I've I'm known that without my higher power, I, I wouldn't be here today. And you know, and and that's you know that's a touchy subject with dealing with addicts is is uh, the whole religious thing. I mean, they they one they don't want to admit that they have an, an issue with with drugs, and that's just extra guilt. Yes, correct. I mean, and you know, it's that's that's the bridge that I've ever always been able to to take on. A lot of folks is saying, you know, you need to find your higher power because without that, you you probably going to end up in the same same boat. Now, for um, me, I, when I talk to people, it's more you're feeling guilty enough as it is. You know what you've done to yourself. You know what you've done to your family. You got enough that you're carrying with you. Like I don't push that. You know, it's. And I always believe meeting people where they're at instead of where I think they need to be. And I don't want people to feel uncomfortable. So, you know, we try to leave that, you know, kind of out. And if they're open to it, you know, that's fine. You know, I'm open to whatever they're willing to speak about. But it's a slippery slope. A lot of the times when you're talking, especially when you have been through recovery and you're talking to someone else. And I was talking to him about that on the way up here, too, is um, jumping right into the helping process straight out of recovery. Like, oh, I finished my 90 days. I want to help everyone else do this. Yes, you feel you're on that high, you know, you're feeling good. Everything's working out for you and you want to help other people feel the same. But I feel like that's also a dangerous situation for yourself too. And um, it's taken me a while to really feel like I had any credibility to even tell my story to people and to talk to people because I felt like I'm not ready yet. You know, somebody's going to look at me and be like, oh, she used to do this, this, and this. And hold me to that, you know, and I felt like maybe I need some more time built up, but 
in all actuality, I feel like it is a little dangerous to kind of jump into it right after because you're putting yourself back in, you know. It's kind of like playing with fire. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of the way I've always <laughs> felt with it. You're, you're playing with fire. And, and that's that's the thing, you know, like what Emma said is is you're wanting to build that uh I guess that strength. Um, yeah, that stability within yourself. To, to be able, and I didn't feel like at that point in time, I, or well, early, because that's why it's taken me forever to be able to do things like this. Not that I was, didn't have the strength there, but I just didn't know if I had the right structure, the right words. Because you don't want to lead anybody down. Yeah, the exactly, path. exactly. You that's always scary. want to give them, I always like to be uh, a person that don't has no, have no surprises. So I try to be upfront with things yeah, and, and be open, you know, because, you know, you, you lead somebody and, and you, have a surprise sitting there and then it, it just doesn't help out yeah. at all and being open open-minded to things and that's another thing with rehab is like you can't go in there with a, a, a one set way you have to be open-minded you have to really open yourself up to to the whole rehab structure the way that they do things because you know they're going to make you clean up they're going to you're in there with other folks that hadn't had their fix in, in a few days and, and of course their emotions are running crazy I mean you even have people that come in and and this is the kind of crazy part about it is like you want your fix so bad and you see that one person come in that's just come off the street or the streets or out of the facility that are all out of it on, on whatever they use and you're you just become jealous. Mm-hmm. Um I, I've been there before where I've become jealous and, and but you have to be open minded to see those things and be open minded to how things work around there. Sitting in jail and then they brought this one girl in and I'm I'm in there for about a week already at that point, and then she comes in and she is just sleeping for like three days straight and I'm like she's getting a good sleep in you know she's getting a good sleep in but I knew exactly what she was about to feel anytime she woke up the sweats the tremors the uh that body that sickness I can still feel it like you know just thinking about it it's horrible and I know nobody wants to go through that but but yeah, I mean, if I was to go out there and and, and try to talk to people about entering a rehab facility, uh, I'd tell them one, be true to yourself. Uh, two, be open minded, and then three, just just be observant of things that are going on around you. Talk to people. I mean, you have to get those things that are in your mind or in, within your yourself that you have to express those things because if you carry that baggage and you carry it and carry it, it, it doesn't help you heal. I mean, there's been times that I've seen people that don't want to tell their story. They want to hold it inside and, and lock it in there and not go back to it. Uh, I've always been the one person to be proud where I come from. Yes, I've done a lot of bad bads in my life, but you know, it, it helped me build that foundation to make the person that I'm here today that you hear. Like, yeah, that one time when I was in jail and then our son He's almost nine now. And he's like, you were in jail. <laughs> he's just like, gives us the craziest look. What, what were you in jail? Are you a bad person? And, and you yeah, have to tell him. You yeah. were very open with him, too. I mean, about every with, with single kids, thing. Because you want them to, to understand that, you know, hey, these things can happen. Yeah. Uh, these things can happen and the outcomes of them. And, and you know, we're we're open with our children. Um, we let them know and understand what happened, how it happened and what the repercussions of it all. And that there's a way out. You know, it's not the end all. It doesn't have to be. You know, I understand sometimes it is for some people and it's a sad reality of it all. But 
It doesn't have to be, you know? Because, I mean, I still have them people that say, oh, that's that drug head that's still still a drug head. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's uh, it's one of the things that you'll always have them people that see you that way, that view you that way. But it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay. I mean, that's my story, and I own up to it. Um, I went that route and done them things. And, you know, you just have to accept it and, and go on. I mean, you know, that's just in one ear and out the other. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what, in my heart, I know what is going on in my life and I know what direction I'm headed. Those people don't understand where you're going or where you're headed. You can tell them all these different stories and sometimes they still won't see you in that light. They'll still see the same old person that was there 10, 15 years ago. I know hitting on stories as far as, you know, getting everyone's testimony on this. I've had people before the interview or after be like, Hey, I just didn't want to make sure like I messed up. It's like, you can't mess up your own story. Yeah, It's, it's unique. It's genuine. No matter how you want to spin it at the end of the day, that's your ball of yarn. So you've got to, you've got to make it yours and don't worry about who thinks what you're here for a reason you got to this point because you wanted to get to this point. So the road less traveled, the road taken by a lot, whatever, your, whatever your path you chose, that's yours. Yeah. So I, I agree with that as far as making sure that at the end of the day, don't be ashamed of your story. Boast it because you made your walk to where it is now through it. I don't know. I'm just glad we didn't meet back then when we were full on in both of our addictions. Thankfully, we got together out. Outside of that, because, I mean, I know we probably could have been very codependent and really kept each other going on that. So it's, you know, surrounding yourself by good people, too. And I will say that's one thing that I have come across has been couples or, you know, life partners in recovery. You two being married and having children as well, you know, just, you know, the whole family basically having a piece of that involved in it. How does that, I guess you kind of hit on as far as not so much affecting things, but as far as how how does being together help on the, you know, every day? You definitely have that reinforcement, especially in the work that I do, because I work with suicide prevention, substance abuse prevention um, with youth and young adults. And there's some things like, I, I guess, the um, alcohol portion um, just was not anything big for me. I, I never really cared too much for alcohol. It was always the prescription drugs that, you know, that was my thing. So, and Elliot, you know, he had um, alcohol dependency issues whenever, you know, he was going through his addiction as well on top of his prescription drugs. So a lot of the times too, when I'm faced with something, I reach out to him and I'm like, somebody came to me with this issue and how do I go from there? You know, and it's not only professionally does that help, you know, it's like, it kind of gives us both reassurance too. Like, man, I'm glad we're not there no more. You have to I mean, reassess everything that you have too. Sometimes, like, man, this is what I, what I, where I'm at now. This is where I used to be, and having someone kind of mirror that too. You know, it's it's um, very helpful. I think it's just understanding where we where those situations were at and where it is now. Uh, being able to understand her situation and, and being able to put yourself in that in her shoes uh, and then she can do that likewise. I think another thing too that uh, has come to light is is um, with her being in that type of uh, profession, it's helped me establish 
me in, in a way that I wasn't so comfortable doing. And that was the whole doing the talks, doing the getting my story out there. Um, and she was able to bring that out uh, of me as well. So so that's, uh, you know, just having that support there and, and being able to support each other. That's kind of how we've been able to build this foundation and being able to go and do things like this. And, and I, I mean, I enjoy it, you know, taking opportunities like this. And I know without Emma's support, I probably wouldn't be here today. I probably like wouldn't be here. sometimes. So. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it, it works. I mean, uh, but we have to make it work. You know, I mean, life isn't easy. There's always hardships that you face all the time. But, you know, we're able to come together and, and uh, push each other in different directions and, and I guess get ourselves outside of that comfort zone and, and to be able to to try to go for more, achieve more. And, um, but those types of relationships, too, that you can rely on and depend on. um you know, just that little support, even if you're not uh, even feeling like you're going to fall back into it or something, you know, just having a little reassurance. It's like, man, I could fall back into it. You know, it's that easy. But you always have people there around you that are like, you know what, this is this is a good life right now. You know, I have, you know, brothers and sisters that are in recovery, too. They've gone to like Florida and California for treatment centers, New York. And um, we have a group chat that every single morning we always tell each other good morning. And I'm just happy to say good morning to them every day because there were times that I didn't think that they were going to be around anymore because of the things that they were dabbling into. You know, my sister, she lost her kids, lost everything. She had, um, you know, methamphetamine addiction and she just celebrated two years last month. So she got her two year coin and, you know, just that little bit of reassurance, even if it's not um, talking about it all the time, just saying good morning to them, having the opportunity to say good morning to them every morning, little re- relationships and reassurances every day. That helps. Did you have any hobbies or activities that you did that helped along with those idle hands that we talked about earlier, as far as finding something to keep you busy and something you enjoyed doing? I get hyper fixated on all kinds of things. So if we want to go the traditional route or Native American roots, I do a lot of beadwork when I can. I love to do it. I don't have a lot of time to do it, but I love to do it. And uh, sewing. I cannot do baskets. I don't have the patience for baskets. I like to read, um, spending time with the kids. Thankfully, we didn't have kids while we were in addiction either. But having the kids, they always want to do something. We just took them to the zoo yesterday because, you know, I mean, didn't have anything else to do. So why not? And um, I did start back at school, completely different route than I wanted to go initially. But um, I started at Angelina again. And I should have graduated this semester, but I'll graduate next semester with then associates in case management or human services case management. That hits on all the topics that I feel like are part of my life work that honestly, anyway, I think about it, you know, I feel like I'm supposed to be a helper in this life in some form or fashion, that that is what I, what's been laid out for me and what I feel, you know, I'm drawn to do. So school has taken up a lot of time as well. I was in class on the way up here. And um, that's just, you know, something else, you know, seeing those type of accomplishments, you know, always doing something to better myself is what I feel like um, my idle hands are doing. And another thing would be, I know you mentioned about like, that group chat that you have, mm-hmm. uh, but what other sort of support systems did you have uh, whenever you were going through your recovery journey? So I'd like to say family, but I didn't have a lot of the close people that I guess they were family in a way. Um, 
you know, my cousin always invited me to church and always being open to talk. You know, she was a good support. Um, her aunt, which is actually not my aunt, but she's my aunt from now on forevermore will always be my aunt. And she's still, anytime I need something from her, she's like there for me. She prays for me. She loves my kids as her own. And uh, even this guy right here, she takes him into. So. Yeah, she adopted me in. It's just, I didn't have, I guess, the immediate family structure to have that kind of support, which I felt like, you know, really could have been beneficial to me. But um, I did have some form of family there. Uh, maybe not as much support as other people. It helped, you know. I just, I think for me, it was more, I don't want to be this type of person. And I'm very, very hard headed. And I like to suffer, I guess. So, uh, I mean, maybe not. Well, hard headed, yes, but probably a little bit of independent too. Oh, uh, yeah, I guess so. I don't like people doing things for me. <laughs> kind of diving into that a little bit further, more so from a story side to informative. Tell me a little bit about the programs that you are either involved with or that you help operate with the Alabama Cachata Tribe. So I work on a SAMHSA funded grant. For anyone who doesn't know, it's the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. It was a five-year grant and um, it uh, I was doing PR work beforehand, but I always felt like, you know, my heart's somewhere else, my heart's somewhere else. I need to do something else. And this popped up and I was like, this is right up my alley. And I love the youth group that I work with, the age group that I work with. It's ages 15 through 24. And we work on suicide prevention activities, uh, substance abuse prevention, and pretty much just promoting an overall good behavioral health. We do talking circles. We do different activities that are kind of culturally related to um, push the message of prevention. A lot of the times, the times too, it's... um. We use the culture is prevention method. So anything that we can tap into culturally that, again, can get them busy and kind of keep their minds occupied, then I feel like that helps them, too. So, I mean, we're hoping to have a basket class one day. We have these we bring different people in from different tribes, too, that talk and give their story and, you know, have a little bit of motivation behind them as well. Well, I mean, to help the kids there, because there are kids out there that uh, I had an, a parent that was alcoholic and I had one parent that was working to keep the bills and, and keep everything on top of that. But as a kid, you're growing up. And, and back then, it was more or less I was an adult at a young age. Mm -hmm. uh, I had to take care of my brother because, you know, my father would, would drink till he would pass out. And and not that he was he wouldn't beat us or anything, but just him because I mean, yes, he's there, but in in reality, he's not because he's under the influence. But we, we, you know, I had to be an adult. You know, there was a lot of things going on with the family structure. It really wasn't established there because one, I was having to be an adult and take care of my brother and, and help around the house. Uh, I didn't really get to live a childhood, and so you know, uh, and, and you know. I'd go to work and try to do anything that I could to, to help bring money in. But with, with as a child going through that, you know, mentally it's not it, it's it's not healthy. And, you and know, a lot of them are facing that same situation. And I tell everybody all the time, I want to be the person for these kids that I needed because I really, really, you know, if somebody was there for me. You know, I can I, I feel like it would have changed a lot of things for me. And I know exactly what they're struggling with and what they're going through because I went through it and I want to be that person for them. And, you know, he helps out quite a bit with that too. 
So. Just, just let them kids know that they're not alone, that they're they're not the only ones that's been through that or, or living that story. Yeah. And I think if I had some type of uh, help in that aspect, I think that it would have done some positive. Even, even with the programs, too, if we can just get them for that one to two hours that we have our programs and allow them to just be their own age, allow them to be kids, allow them the opportunity to speak freely you know, that I know it's not much, but I feel like it's just a little bit of an outlet for them, you know, just to just to give them a break. Yeah. Give them a break, because I know sometimes some of them, when they go home, they're going to have to deal with that alcoholic parent. They're going to have to deal with that abusive parent and they're going to have to cook supper for their kid, you know, their siblings or whatever it might be. You know, there's it's a lot of responsibility that falls on them. So within those programs that we do, I want them to feel like you can rest, you know, take a breath, drop your shoulders. Let's, let's do some meditation. Let's go through, you know, if you need somebody to talk to, you know, if it's not me, I can find somebody that you can talk to. It's things like that, that we like to really push. And, you know, there's a cultural disconnect with a lot of them too. So that's why we really push culturally based practices and programs. We want to help with um, not only our tribe and our people, but like ADAC, you know, we have this partnership together and um, we want to build and establish these relationships with these outside resources. So these outside agencies and be somewhat of a bridge. So if I know somebody on the reservation that's needing help, then I'm like, hey, I know, you know, so-and-so, I know Connor, hey, at ADAC, he can help you out with this or that or Linda or Kim or whoever it might be, you know, and I know Melanie's great with everything she does, all the YP programs she'll have here. And just to be able to have some type of liaison. We do a lot of cultural competency too, uh, myself and my program director. Uh, so that's kind of preparing agencies like ADAC on how to work with tribes or uh, the reservation or tribal members. So just to understand how to work with those cultures, because every yeah. culture is different. Yeah. And that's one of the goals I would, I would, I guess, moving forward would be to, to open up to, to any kind of agencies or, or programs like these, if they ever needed assistance and, you know, if they had a native American or even anybody of, of culture that might, we might not be the same, but we may, we may understand how, how to bridge yeah. bridge that uh, to to get them to understand or to be able to see it in a different light that somebody else may not be able to explain. And the tribes prevention programs, we're still fairly new. We're in our third, going on our fourth year, and they haven't had anything of that nature before. So we just want to keep building it. You know, collaborate with as many people as we can, and you know, get, I don't know. get assistance and help building that program, making yeah. it bigger and making it stronger yeah. to be able to just get an even stronger foundation. Yes, they got a foundation that's built right now and established, but it can always, there's always a need to, to continue yeah. to build on and, and uh, create Growth. more support out there. That's, you know, we want to grow. We want to, we want more resources for our people on the reservation because we're such a rural area anyway. And I mean, even to Lufkin, that's an hour drive, but if we can bring those resources there, even through telehealth, whatever it might be, you know, we had that option. And I think we still are exploring that option of bringing somebody 
from OSAR to the reservation to do assessments and whatnot if we have a client that needs that type of you know treatment. So. Or to be able to to build a building specifically. Oh, that'd just, be great. <laughs> just for rehabilitation or uh, offer rehab programs yeah. right. or, or something like that because it, it is needed. There is a need for it, and and um, and you know being with the tribe, you know, funding sometimes it, it doesn't fund those types of programs yeah. and just being able to have an opportunity for a tribal member to, to go or, or a Native American yeah. uh, to go and be at a place with other Native Americans that 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 tends to help out quite a bit because mm-hmm. I mean it I mean it, it, it just helps because I mean you don't want that person to be oh you don't know what I've been through or, or anything like that and, and you just say hey there's people here that are just like you and then to hit on at least two more things that I can think of one, how did the event go last Thursday with the recovery <laughs> event? That was good. Um, that was with um, another one of our prevention programs who focuses on ages 25 and up. That is alcohol misuse prevention. And we handed out a lot of T-shirts, a lot of information. So with my program, we handed out the 988 uh, information because, you know, they changed from the National Suicide Hotline number. You can text or call that. And that's... That's a really great option now. But we handed out a lot of information and we had ADAC come. We had uh, the wellness, working on wellness program. They set up, they did cotton candy. We gave out free snow cones. And Tish Hollis, she's the one that headed that up and invited everyone out. So it turned out really good. We were excited about it. Everybody enjoyed it. Everybody loves free t-shirts too, you know? <laughs> so that that was really good. And... I think we're planning on another one for this month if we can get it pushed through in time. So, And then talking about another event coming up, you guys got the wellness powwow next month, huh? Oh, yeah, the wellness powwow. Goodness. Okay, so that's October 22nd at the Polk County Commerce Center in Livingston. And that is going to be another opportunity for people to come and get resources. I know we're going to have a few ADAC programs set up. The reservation will have uh, some of their departments set up as well. And it's just a time for people to come out and check out our culture and see some of our dances. I don't know if we're going to have any traditional foods or anything of that nature offered, but we will have arts and craft vendors. And it'll just, I think it'll be a good time to have people come out. And it's going to be air conditioned. We're not going to be outside <laughs> like our annual powwow. But yeah, that's coming up. That's going to be another good opportunity. And we should have more t-shirts then too. So if you like free t-shirts, come check it out. The overall last question, I know y'all both kind of hit on it, but just to kind of drive it home, what advice advice would you give to those that may be struggling with substance use or hesitant to seek treatment? You got to be true to yourself. That's the, I think that's the ultimate. The ultimate advice is, is to be true to yourself. Do a really good self-assessment. You know, is this where you want to be at in life? And although you may not feel it, you do have it in you to pull yourself through. You know, resources, you know, especially out here are great, but you really got to have that want. You know, you can't do it for someone else. You have to do it for yourself and you can't force somebody to get help if they don't want it for themselves. So you really have to be true to yourself and take that self-assessment and take yourself seriously because, I mean, it is possible. I think another thing, too, is don't be scared. Uh, I I was I had fear. I had fear of changing. I had fear of what was going to happen. I had fear of uh, the sickness that was coming my direction. I had fear of what was on the other side of, of becoming clean and sober. I had fear of change. And uh, don't let that deter you because once you get over that darkness there, I mean, there is a, a bright future ahead. And you just being afraid, it, it's just going to block that uh, yep. 
from happening. Another thing that, and, and this is kind of a funny thing about my the way I, I started thinking about these things is um, I watched the show Intervention, and uh, that kind of gave me an understanding of how everything was kind of playing out in my life. And and I I, I'd watch it, I'd watch and smoke a joint, and then I'd go back in there and watch a couple more episodes. And it was like, I didn't realize that I was that type of person until I seen that show. And uh, I just kept watching it. And I was like, you know what? I am that person. It doesn't matter what you're on, whether you're on coke or uh, methamphetamine or or prescription pills. You're still that same addict, and and that's that's the crazy thing about all these different situations. It's it's basically the same, even though you're using the different drugs. But everything, it, I mean, you're the same, same. I mean, your story is the same. The way out's almost the same. But processes are the same. Complexities, you know, there's a lot of complexities, but processes are um, very similar. But I definitely just be open minded. Yeah. If there's okay. if the helps out there offered to you, take it. Don't um, be afraid to ask for help. Yeah, exactly. Uh, don't be afraid. Admit. <laughs> admit to yourself. That was one of the hardest things for me is to admit uh, and own up to it. Yes, I am that. But you you have to be sincere to yourself to to really make something out of this. Because if you don't have that and you're not true to yourself, you'll end up back in the same situation that you're in. Absolutely. Well, it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you both for coming in today. It's been great. <laughs> well, we appreciate the opportunity to, to tell our story and to be able to speak. And um, and anybody that's listening, we appreciate y'all taking time out to, to listen to our story. If you or someone you know needs help with a substance use issue or concern, or if you just want more information, you can call the Alcohol and Drug Abuse Council of Deep East Texas 24-7 at 1-800-445-8562. Give, Get, Grow is a production by the Alcohol and Drug Abuse Council of Deep East Texas and the Region 5 Prevention Resource Center. We serve Angelina, Hardin, Houston, Jasper, Jefferson, Nacogdoches, Newton, Orange, Polk, Sabine, San Augustine, San Jacinto, Shelby, Trinity, and Tyler Counties where we offer prevention, intervention, and treatment programs and services. The Prevention Resource Center has a ton of information about the region available for free as a part of its mission. For more information, visit adacdet.org slash PRC5. That's A-D-A-C-D-E-T dot O-R-G slash PRC5. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to stay up to date with our latest episodes. Follow ADAC on Facebook at A-D-A-C-D-E-T and on Instagram at A-D-A-C underscore D-E-T. Thank you for joining us. Be safe and take care of yourself. We'll see you next time here on Give, Get, Grow.